Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. and you would just continue watching it. I know you would. I know you would, because I would. I grew up watching that movie a lot. My mom endured uh, that with me. Um, We watched it about 100 times a day. Um, And I loved that movie. So happy Mom's Day. That wasn't just for her. But here's the idea. I love The Wizard of Oz. It's a great movie. It's a great story, great book. It's just full of imagination and wonder and music. But there's this idea, as you see in that clip, and, and even later on, that the wizard in this movie, in this story, in this journey that they are on, the idea of meeting the wizard, gaining an audience with him, it is unattainable. It is the idea that the wizard is too great, he is too powerful, he is too important to be bothered by the concerns of a scarecrow, a tin man, a lion, and a girl from Kansas. In fact, even after they make it into the city, they go to the gate, another gate, and, a, and the gatekeeper there says, nope, nobody can see the wizard, not no one, not no how. It's not happening. And they have to go through all of these hoops to get an audience with the wizard because he's just too great, too important. Of course, we realize that the wizard is not great and powerful as he made himself out to be. He's just a guy behind a curtain pulling a bunch of levers. But he had presented himself in this way as if he was too great, too powerful. And the thing is, like, God doesn't present himself that way to us. But I think we, for whatever reason, we assign him those attributes anyway. As if he was too great. As if he is too powerful. He is too impersonal, too unattainable that we could gain an audience with him. That he would be concerned with the common problems of us. And we treat him like that, almost like, oh, it's, he's, he's too great, he's too powerful, we could never see him. 
And so today, we're going to talk about this idea. What does it mean to see God? Over the last several weeks, we've been walking through um, a series about the Beatitudes, some simple sayings that Jesus had. Now, some of you in this room, maybe you're skeptical of Christianity. You might be skeptical of religion. Maybe you have a lot of questions about all of that. Maybe you didn't grow up in church. And even if you did, you probably still still have a lot of questions. As we'll discover today, as I was pre- preparing for this talk, I realized I had a lot of questions that I didn't know the answer to. And I start looking. And here's what I think. I think that even though you might be skeptical of the church and you might be skeptical of Christianity or organized religion, or whatever you want to call it, because of the people, the followers that are in it, maybe you see them as hypocritical or maybe you see them as, as something else that they're portrayed as. I just want you to know this. When we look at Jesus, when we see what he says about something, I think very few of us would have much to argue against. Because of who he is and the way he said it, he was able to speak to anyone. He could speak to anyone from any kind of background. He could speak to anyone from if they were rich, if they were poor. If they were healthy, if they were sick, he could speak to anyone, outcasts, the religious elites, the outsiders. He was able to speak to all of them and pierce through the noise and get to their heart. And so we've been looking at these sayings of Jesus, and we're going to look at the next one today. Last week, Terry talked to us about the one about um, being merciful, you'll be shown mercy. What does it mean to show and give mercy? And by the way, just to kind of give you an update, I know some of you probably have questions Terry's not with us today, our lead pastor. He um, was in Florida this weekend. Um, his father passed away unexpectedly, and you may know that. And so he, he was actually down there doing the funeral for, for his family this week. And, um, and so just keep him in your prayers. I know a lot of you have sent cards, and, and you sent prayers and messages his way for him and his family. And so we so appreciate that. So continue to be in prayer. Uh, they'll, be, they'll be down there for this weekend. But we're going to continue this conversation that he started. We're going to look at the next statement that jesus says in in these eight beatitudes that he lines up for us and i gotta be honest with you this one this one i really had to wrestle with a little bit because i was like i don't know what does this mean like and it'll make sense as we, as we look at it so i want to take a look at it first and let's see what it says it says this this is in matthew chapter 5 if you want to turn in your bible there you can um and and it, we're going to be jumping around a lot today so if you want to just uh roll with us on the screen that's fine too this is what it says blessed are those who are pure in heart they will see god when I read that, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Pure in heart. They're going to see God? Like, that's awesome. But then at the same time, I'm like, what does that even mean? Pure in heart? See God? So I'm trying to wrestle through this and kind of understand it to the crowd that Jesus is talking to that day. And you have to keep something in mind. The crowd that Jesus is talking to is usually made up of different kinds of people. These are people who are common, regular people. The idea of seeing God seems unattainable to them. The idea of seeing God, that they could see God at work in their life on a daily basis, see Him face to face, that doesn't seem like it's something that's reserved for them. Because there are these people who are like the religious elites at the time. And they kind of held the keys, so to speak, on what it meant to see God. And so when Jesus says, blessed are the pure, they will see God, they have to be thinking in their mind, they, he doesn't mean me. I'm not, I'm not pure in heart. He must be talking, okay, now he's going to talk to these religious people because they know the law. They know what it means to be clean. They know what it means to be blameless. They don't know what it means to be pure. That's reserved for them. So he must mean that they will get to see God. We won't be able to do that. I'm just a dad. I'm just a mom. I'm just a kid. I can't, I can't see God. I have a job as a tax collector. Those guys hate me. There's no way that I could see God. I'm too unclean. I will never be able to attain to that. These religious people, they're keeping the score. And they let me know on a daily basis, I can't see God. 
And if you're wondering about the kinds of crowds that Jesus was speaking to when he says this, we get a glimpse, we kind of get a clue uh, in the previous chapter of the types of people that were in this crowd. And it's in Matthew chapter 4 at the very end. This is what it says. They brought to him, they brought to Jesus, all those who were afflicted, those who were suffering from various diseases, those who were suffering from intense pains and the demon possessed and the epileptics and the paralytics. All of these were the kinds of people that were in the crowds that Jesus would speak to. And you have to know something about this. Those are the kinds of people, if you had any of those symptoms, if you had any of those afflictions, the super holy religious people elite who said that God was this way and only the blameless can come to God and only... If you had any of those symptoms, they would say, you know why you have those symptoms, right? There's some sin in your life. There's some sin in you that is causing that. Until that is taken care of, you will never be able to be like us. There's this huge disconnect in the crowd that day, I think. Because up until this point, I feel like all the other ones, oh, I can be, I can be merciful. Like, yeah, that's something I can do. But be pure in heart. The game just changed. And now he's not talking to me anymore. Jesus must mean that for the religious person who has it all figured out. Because they know which washing ceremony to do when, and they know which sacrifice to make at which time so that they can be pure in heart. And I can't see God. That's impossible. That will never be for me. And I look at this, and I think there has to be more to that. Because I want to see God. I do. I really, I do, really do. We just sang and worshiped to God, and I want to see Him. I want to see Him in His glory. I want to see Him lifted up. And I know if you're a follower of Jesus, you're thinking that too. You're like, man, I want to see God. I want to see Him and for all of who He is. How can I be pure of heart? Because here's the thing. I know my heart. I know what's in it. I know that my heart is deceitful. I know that in situations, my heart is going to err for self-preservation. I know that my heart, in some situations, I'm going to look out for my own self-interest, and I'm going to cater to my own desires. And that idea of a pure heart in those moments, it's shattered. It's gone. I know what my heart is like. And the idea that I could see God, not possible. My heart is not pure. And the crowd that day, they have to be thinking the same thing. The other group in that crowd, not just the afflicted, not just the sinners, not just the outcasts, the regular people, the religious elites. Here's the thing. Here's what connected these two groups together. They wanted to see God too. See, up until this time, it had been hundreds and hundreds of years since they had seen God work the miracles that he worked when he led the people out of Egypt, the miracles that he worked through the prophets. It had been a long time since they had seen God work in that way. And they are probably at this point wondering, where is he? And these religious elites, they're holding on to these scriptures. They're holding on to this text and they have their rules and it's all lined up and and the game is rigged and they're keeping score because they know what it is. And these people can never attain to that. And these people can. And so they know that if God does show up, they're going to be first in line because their score is like 98 because they know how to work the system. And these guys... They have diseases, they have sin in their life, they're afflicted, there's no way. They're like maybe, you know, bottom of the list when God shows up to see him. So I'm going to be pure in heart. I want to see God. 
What does that mean? What does it mean to have a pure heart? That's the first question that I have to ask. How do I have a pure heart? What does that look like? David uh, was a psalmist. He wrote um, a book in the Old Testament called Psalms. He, he was a man after God's own heart, we're told. He was an amazing king, a leader. His heart, if you know his story, is a little messed up too. But he said this in Psalm 119. He gave us a little insight into the heart. He gave us a little insight into what it was like. He said, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can we keep our hearts pure? Because out of our heart comes everything else. Out of our heart comes our words. Out of our heart comes our life. Out of our heart comes our decision to take action, to change the course of the future. Out of our heart comes inaction, our decision to not do anything. How can we keep our hearts pure, our way pure? By what? Keeping your word. Through the word of God, I have sought you with all my heart, so that I may not sin against you. It's this idea that a singular focus, a singular focus on who God is, a singular focus and drive for the things of God, for His Word, for what He wants, that's going to help purify my heart. And then he goes on to say this in Psalm 24, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who can stand in His holy place? Who has the opportunity to see Him? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart who has not set his mind on what is false and who has not sworn deceitfully. A a pure heart, as we see, has a lot to do with our thoughts, has a lot to do with not just reading something, but really meditating on it, really focusing on it so that it impacts our actions. It impacts who we are. It impacts our lives. So it's not just an idea, but it's something that is shown What good does it do me to have a pure heart if if nobody ever sees it? I keep it to myself. A pure heart. And here's the thing about that. The crowd hears this in this day, and they are thinking, and the religious leaders are thinking, oh, a a pure heart. I know how to have a pure heart. I have to to go do this on this day. There's There's a ritual for that. There's a sacrifice that I have to make to show that my heart is pure. And once a year, the high priest is going to go in and he's going to pray for all of our sins and it's going to be fine. We're going to do that every year. And we're going to do this ceremony washing for this sin. And we can do this wash for that sin and this sacrifice for that one. And then I'll have a pure heart. And here's the thing about that system. You'll have a pure heart for about 30 seconds, right? Because you know what's in you. You're going to mess up again. And so it's on the calendar. It's on the calendar every week, every year, every month. We're going to do this one for this sin. We'll have a pure heart for a small amount of time. And then we have to go back and we have to do it all over again. And I'm busy with my family. There's no way that I can do that. And I have my job. So there's no way that I can attend all of these ceremonies and do all these things. How do we have a pure heart? The best news ever is that Jesus changed everything. Because he looked at that system And he said, that's not what it's about. You've missed the point. It's not about this religious rule that's been set up. It's about a relationship with your heavenly father. There is actually access to go see God. He is not unattainable. He can be seen. And here is how. Through Jesus, through his sacrifice, through his death on the cross and his resurrection, we can have purified hearts. This is what John said. John was a John was a best friend of Jesus. He was one of Jesus's close disciples and he would say that he was Jesus's favorite. That's how he believed himself to be, not in an arrogant way, in a really humble kind of way and he walked with Jesus and he was with Jesus. And this is what he said about a heart. Look at this. Dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. 
We know that when He appears, we will be like Him because we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him, this hope through Jesus, this hope through the forgiveness that He gives to all of us, if we trust in Him, this hope in Him does what? It purifies Himself just as He is pure. Our hearts can become pure through Jesus. That is incredible. That means that scorecard that the religious people were keeping doesn't matter anymore. That means all their little rules and ceremonial washings is gone. It's eradicated because Jesus came and said, nope, there's something new now. Your heart can be made pure through me. And I look at that and I'm thinking this week, I'm like, oh, that's great. Blessed are the pure in heart. They're going to see God. I can see God. But here's the thing. I accepted Jesus into my life when I was six years old. Um, I asked my mom a question but what it meant to know Jesus, to have a relationship with him, because I had heard about it. And my mom took me back to my bedroom, and we had a conversation. I remember kneeling beside my bed. It was a twin-sized bed with a red cover. I don't know why I remember that, but it's there. And I knelt down, and I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sin, because I wanted a relationship with him. And that started a long journey in my heart of following him, this journey of my heart being purified to be more and more like Him. And here's the thing. God hasn't shown up. He didn't show up in my bedroom that night. He didn't like, there wasn't like an image, like a big flare, like, oh, that didn't happen. There wasn't that kind of moment for me. I still haven't seen that kind of moment. So what does Jesus mean when He says, blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God? Because I'm like, okay, where are you? I haven't seen you. And I want to. Fortunately, John has something to say about that as well. He kind of gives some relief to this idea. And this is, <laughs> this is what he says. Look at this very simple statement. He says, no one has ever seen God. Now, keep in mind this is John, the best friend, follower of Jesus. He was there when Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. John was there, right? For all of these moments, he walked with Jesus And he says, no one has ever seen God. So what does he mean by that? John, of course, you were with him every day. What does that mean? Well, if we were to just look at this sentence, we could say, oh, well, no one has ever seen God. But when we view it in the context of a much broader paragraph of what John writes, I think we'll see something a little different. This is what he said. He said, dear friends, if God loves us in this way, if God loves us in this way that he would send his son Jesus as a sacrifice for us, if God loves us in this way that he would lay down his life for you and for me, then we must also what? Love one another. No one has ever seen God. There it is. But if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. He goes on to say, just a little bit later, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. If, if you say one thing, but your heart says something different, you are a liar. For the person who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love the God that he has not seen. And we have this command from him, that the one who loves God must also love his brother. When John is writing this, I imagine him going back to a night 
that would forever change his life and the course of history forever because he's echoing something that Jesus said just hours before Jesus died. Just hours before Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us and changed the course of life forever so that we could have direct access to God. Jesus said something around a table with his friends and John is there. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, children, I'm with you a little while longer. You will look for me. There's going to be a time when you're going to say, I want to see you. I want to see God. I want to see him. You're going to look for me. And just as I told the Jews where I am going, you cannot come. So now I tell you, look at this. I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You must also love one another. It's like John understood something that Jesus was saying. It's like Jesus was saying, hey, listen, if you want to see God, because I'm I'm about to leave, if you want to see God, you're going to see him in the way that you love one another. You're going to see him in the way that that purified heart turns into action and you serve one another. It's not just going to be an idea that you've read about. It's not just going to be on a scorecard. It's going to be something that people will be able to see. Peter said it this way. Peter was another disciple of of, um, Jesus. And this is what he said, by obedience to the truth, having purified yourselves for sincere love of the brothers, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Love one another from a pure heart. Why? Because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, not through ritual washing of hands. You have not been purified through this old system. You have been purified through the living and enduring word of God. You have been purified through Jesus because you are obedient to the truth of him. How are we going to know? How is the world going to know that we're disciples and followers of Jesus? It's by how we love one another, Jesus said, by how we treat one another. So it's almost like Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you want to see God? Love one another. If you want this world to see God, they'll see God by how you treat one another, by how you serve one another, by how you take the time to make the difference in someone else's life. And there's this one idea, this one word that can kind of bring this to us because we can have a purified heart. We can have obedience to something. We can know a lot of truth and not be obedient to it. And it's this one idea. It's opportunity. Opportunity is what can change the game for us. Opportunity is simply this. It's intentionally placing ourselves in situations for our faith to be exercised. And this is something that I, I think the Pharisees, the religious elites, they didn't quite get this one. There's a story that Jesus told once um, about the Good Samaritan. Tommy and I were talking about this idea and what it means to be pure in heart, and, and what it means to have an opportunity. And he shared with me that this past week in student ministry, they talked about the Good Samaritan, and, and it ties in so well. So I just want to recap for, for those of us who maybe um, are a little rusty on it. So here's the basic idea of the story Jesus told. There's a, a guy who is beaten, left for dead. He's robbed on this road. And some religious people come by, people who knew the law, people who were keeping score, people who knew what they could touch, what they couldn't touch. And they see this guy on the road and they're on their way to do their thing. And they see him and they're like, I, I can't really help him. I'm too busy. I'm not supposed to. He might be dead. I'm not allowed to touch dead things. I'm going to keep going. And then the Samaritan comes by. 
And he sees this opportunity to love someone. To love someone the way that God loved him. And he takes the time to help this man. He bandages his wounds and he takes care of him. And Jesus asked the question, which of them was a good neighbor to this guy on the road? And they all said, oh, the Samaritan. And they're right. And I wonder if we just change the question that Jesus asked, which of those had a pure heart? We would say the Samaritan. But how do we know? Because of the action that he took. The opportunity that was in front of him to love and serve somebody else. That's how the world sees God. It's not just an idea. It's not just a theory that we can have a pure heart. It's like, no, we we need to see it. The world needs to see God and they will see it by how we serve and by how we love one another. That's why we value it at Ocean View so much. That's why we value serving. Whether you're in the parking lot, just greeting people, strangers, welcoming them into this place to let them know that they are accepted and belong because they are accepted and belong to a heavenly father who loves them. Whether it's embracing a preschooler to let them know the first the first idea of the church and of God is that, that he is love. To engage an elementary kid's interests so that they can see God in a new and amazing way. To affirm and mobilize students so that they can engage in a much bigger story than their own. Because when they do that, guess what? They'll see God. When we serve others, they see God. That's how he is known. That's why we have opportunities outside of Ocean View. Right? I almost think that, that inside the church here, this is kind of like our testing ground. This is our laboratory where we can kind of experiment and we can kind of like serve one another as practice for serving people outside. We partner with ministries all over Myrtle Beach. We talked about New Directions last week. Just a place where we can do some simple yard work to help some families, let them know that, that we love them. Let them know that they're not forgotten. Much like the crowd that was there with Jesus that day. They can see God through how we love and how we serve. Through backpack buddies, through putting meals together for kids and families. That's such a huge thing. That's how they'll see God, by how we love one another. Through impact ministries and their all-nations cafe, where people are literally coming from all over the world to our town. They can see God by how we love one another. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I want to see God. I want this city to see God. I want my family to see God. I want the people on my street to see God. I want everyone I come into contact with to see God. And it's how I love them. It's how I serve them. Where are we taking... Where are we taking the time this week to find those opportunities? Intentionally place ourselves in the path to serve one another, to serve and love someone else. You guys pray with me. God, this idea of being pure in heart, it's incredible because I know my heart, but I know that you purify us. The more we surrender to you, the more we say yes to you, the more we help others follow Jesus, God, you purify our hearts so that you can be seen so that our works aren't aren't to build ourselves up god but that through our works you are glorified god help us to have this passion in us to show everyone that you are not distant you are not far off you are not unattainable you you are not not able to be seen but you can be seen 
And you've called us to be the hands and feet so that people see you, a revelation of who you are. God, help us as you have called us to be pure in heart, to send it into action so that others can see you. Because I need to see you. This world needs to see you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.